And welcome to another episode of Two Medics and One Mic. Your presenters are Imran Lasker and Thrusha Gudwatna. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. And you're a consultant radiologist. Right? Oh, yes, I am a consultant yeah. radiologist. Don't I forget, forgot about that. Forget. I am tired. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, <laughs> should I do that again? So hello and welcome to a, another episode of the Two Minutes Podcast. My name is Dr. Lasker. I, my name is Imran Lasker. <laughs> I am a consultant radiologist. <laughs> Hi, I'm Thrushigan Wardner. I'm still a cardiology registrar, subspecializing in coronary intervention. Yeah, and we have... I am Nadia Kamal, and I am a foundation trainee. And? And um, a magical witch. Nadia, you've had quite the interesting <laughs> career already as an F1, as a foundation doctor. You're not just a foundation doctor. Where did you come from? Where did you go? From where did I yes. go? Yeah, where did yeah. I come from? Cotton Eye. Nadia. Cotton Eye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I have a previous career in the arts. Mm. So I, was, I worked in, in entertainment, mostly in comedy. So yeah. it was a bit of a transition to go into medicine. Oh no, it's all fun and games here as well, can't you tell? Medtwit is a, fu- a fun place to be. <laughs> Ooh, fun! <laughs> We've got definitions of fun. <laughs> Thrusha, yeah, you've been uh, you've been um, swatting up on Nadia, haven't you? You're watching a few. You sent me a few videos of some of Nadia's work. Oh God! Oh my God! Yeah, we're super excited to have her on because, yeah, she underplays it, but she's a really talented. There's loads of really cool stuff on uh, about her on YouTube. Yeah, just uh, really funny. I was really looking forward to this. Okay, yeah. should so, I talk about something else? Yeah, look, you've gone from one clique to the other, haven't you? You've gone from the arts clique to the med Twitter clique, and we've had, well, we're talking about cliques now, aren't we? We've had a few tweets about cliques. That's a cut that crime, that's a bit arty. But yeah, what, what do you guys think? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Yeah, I love the idea that something that rhymes is automatically arty. <laughs> and, it's the best I can do. I'm a medic. On that theme, being farty would also be arty. <laughs> Which, talking of med Twitter cliques, of course, there was somebody who t- tweeted about doing a podcast about med Twitter. <laughs> that is correct, yeah, yeah. See, look, see, do you see how she did that? This is why she gets paid the big bucks. There you go, that's right, oh, that's yeah. right, yeah. The that huge is right. bucks, absolutely <laughs> huge bucks. The, the below the personal uh, allowance bucks. <laughs> <laughs> we have been, unfortunately, in a bit of a, in the line, haven't we, Thrusha? This podcast Wait. has been on the line. I thought oh, we were no. cancelled. At one point I thought, yeah, we're cancelled. I knew this was going to happen yeah, yeah. at some point. We're done. Go on. Yeah. What happened this like, week to us, Thrusha? What, hap- <laughs> what didn't happen? So put a long story short, like I ended up doing two apology threads. That's how bad it was. <laughs> Not just one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh god! It's really uh, funny about that is that some people weren't happy with the apology thread, so you almost had to do a third apology about the apology. It was just getting yeah. like, where do we stop now? It was getting balmy. We never stop. We all always evolve, always apologize. <laughs> exactly, and we just kind of circle, don't we? It was like the opposite of who was it? Was it Margaret Thatcher said, "Never explain, never apologize." Um, yeah. I, maybe, I think I might have completely miscredited that to her. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the opposite is always explain yeah. and always apologize even if you haven't yeah. done anything wrong <laughs> yeah. yeah it was how did it start through I think I think we released the episode and then we had someone one a long-term long-term listener someone we have interacted uh, a bit over the last few few months uh, and he pointed out that, that there was a demographic he wasn't entirely happy with that wasn't represented on the podcast and to be more specific he was saying what straight white males were not represented well enough on the podcast and I, I at first when I saw it I didn't know really what to make of it. in truth I, I wasn't paying attention I was at I was in the middle of a wedding I think through she might have me, tweeted it to me and I was like oh okay that's a weird one and I looked at it 
And then I thought, wow, uh, I don't really know what to make of it. So I just tried to explain things away because in truth, we don't put, I know it's, I don't know. I, I think we should be flattered that people think that we put a lot of thought into this, but as Nadia now knows, it is a, it's a little bit haphazard. <laughs> we don't really turn up on time at the best of times. We change the dates of the pre-meeting, sometimes change the date of the actual podcast. The whole thing's a little bit of a mess. And I think people think there's a bit more contrived than it is. And so when someone came out with like, you should think about the demographic, I was like, huh? Yeah, yeah. What, what what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, certainly the people that we've had on have been people that we've interacted with. And I guess, like, people are saying that inadvertently, we had, we had, obviously, we had been picking people who perhaps we identified more with, which happened to be people of kind of colour. And I guess, or just of different backgrounds. I don't know. But like, I don't know. Um, it wasn't I conscious, though, was it? Yeah. No, no, exactly. But it just happened to be that way. And uh, then I was like, you know what? I was, I think that's where my second like apology thread was along the lines of we hadn't really thought about it we will think about it some more but i meant it more from the perspective of actually it's an important thing to do to give people mm. voices and stuff but then people were like oh does that mean that you're gonna have more cis white people on and it definitely doesn't mean that but <laughs> but it just means that i think we are going to be paying more attention to it because people do find and that, i think that was the main thing that i wanted to say albeit badly which is that it was cool that people have responded in this way and they obviously demand a certain level of demand a certain level from us that's cool isn't it yeah i guess so it's just it's more work i don't know Nadia, did you notice how i was very quiet during the whole thing i was like i threw should you mind uh... <laughs> I, I don't know what to say do you mind just like tweeting away please and he was like tweeting these five as so good that you did that because you should you should do my reporting mine mine are like your yeah, nad no i'm not detected just like look done my tweet my apology tweet would have been like sorry okay let's move on now thanks bye and then i would have got probably got beaten down yeah Nadia, how did he do on his apology how, how would you rate that on a scale of one to ten i'm gonna be very brutal here and say i didn't read it <laughs> oh, oh there you go that's why you need uh, to be that's why you need to write the report indication <laughs> findings conclusion no one reads it anyway yeah. <laughs> exactly just i'm just reading the referral letter and that's it <laughs> exactly exactly there's no need for all the faff and all the words I, yeah you probably read the first tweet and the last tweet and see what the responses are that's probably exactly. the way to go <laughs> yeah what's the yeah. ratio <laughs> yeah. it was bad it was bad yeah so i think that person i mean look the person who brought it up in the first place quite did the right thing to apologize but i can imagine that person probably felt a little bit i could see some of the replies i didn't really know what to say or do because we all make mistakes no this person probably felt like they're getting piled on a bit which kind of brings us on to the subject of being piled on. And that became a bit of a subject during the week. Did you, did, did you, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, is this the, the WhatsApp? Yeah, yeah, WhatsApp yeah. bully gangs. <laughs> These gangs, yeah, yeah. What, what do you guys make of it? I felt like, what gangs? Why am I not part of this gang? I, I want to be in a gang. <laughs> I'm not in enough WhatsApp groups. <laughs> so does this not happen feel... in comedy Twitter? No, I don't think it does. I mean, oh, that's a good like... question. What's the funniest thing that happened in comedy Twitter? Is there something that happened or comedy WhatsApp Twitter? You've got to have no, something good. God. Or is it boring? Just, is it boring? It's a bit boring because it's just mostly comedians doing jokes. So it's nothing. Uh, that doesn't sound boring at all. Surely Jim <laughs> Davidson must be like, he must be the centre. <laughs> it's just a diff different world, isn't it? Like people, it's, I don't know. It's the, the quote tweet is what a lot of people go for when they just want a bit of engagement, but it's not, it's not real, is it? And, but I mm. thought that this, the, with this, the this suggestion that there are these nefarious WhatsApp gangs, and then people sort of responding to that being like, I'm absolutely not surprised. <laughs> being like, Sorry, what? You're not surprised that there are groups of med Twitter people on WhatsApp conspiring to 
abuse people (laughs) that is not surprising to you (laughs) that's very surprising to me (laughs) that is fucking weird yeah it would be weird if you're down to an individual level maybe there are people that are thinking along those lines but then to find like-minded people to then make a whatsapp group and then spend your energy and time to try and what is it oust people i don't know what it was was it ousting people off is that what they were they want people to get cancelled is that what it was i think i think it's like like surgical drone type attacks on people's mental health or something along those lines it's got to be the surgeons it's always the surgeons yeah yeah there was something about like specifically going after people who are having mental health crisis or something and they're like jesus christ if that is happening then my god we've got big problems (laughs) and i don't i'm not sure if hashtag med twitter is the cause of that we were thinking about this i was thinking about this earlier and med twitter is rep- basically a representation of the people that make up medicines just like anything in medicine you're not going to get along with everyone everyone's going to have slightly different views from each other and you're just part of this big med twitter community and i i feel as though maybe the people that feel as though they're getting piled on are the ones that have been they feel they get piled on but i, I were we talking about this the other day like is pylon the right, right way to describe it i'm getting usually piles up pylons are as a result of you maybe having a bad tweet and being called out and that's what it is you're getting called out by multiple people yeah that's what it is maybe and, you don't like that but and being called out feels shit as i'm sure you- yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god it's, yeah. it's funny that your Freudian slip there where you're like, it's being piled on the white way to be called out. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I maybe I said that, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it does make, it wasn't nice. I think the one time, I, I think I mentioned this before, right? I said something about patient and I felt I was getting a bit piled on. I think I was, I was getting hard done by it because I was getting misunderstood and these people need to know that I'm not a bad guy. Then I think a few hours later, I thought, I don't really care actually you can think what you want like i've got my mates i've got my thing and i'm just going to go ahead and block you people and so that's what ends up happening and i think blocking is actually a very healthy thing i think when we when i started earlier on med twitter and speaking to Thrusha, i think you Thrusha, said imran you need to start blocking people and i was like no i don't want to be an echo chamber i don't want to be like not listening to other people's opinions but some opinions are just not uh, yeah i don't know it's not worth also, it, it oh my god uh, when then sound is nice I actually completely want that to be echoed. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I want to be in a beautiful hall of gorgeous voices in harmony. I don't want to be in a shrieking cave. Yeah. yeah so thank you. For I, I'm. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of the block and also the mm. soft block and muting. I love it. I love mm. it. I occasionally feel a bit guilty about it, and then I go back to loving it. So, have, some... so have you muted many? Have you gone to many arguments then, like for the mute? Because that's pretty particularly good for getting people to shout into the void, or is that just more? Do you mean for what keywords and stuff? No, muting people accounts. Okay. Uh, I mean, it happens if you have a, like tweets go big, mm. that it, that inevitably just the size gets you wankers. <laughs> And not just wankers, <laughs> you get like a whole buffet, the spectrum of wankers from the like the dicks who are just like, but what about this exactly yeah. to the people who are just straight up offensive and gross. And and if you have that from a tweet going big, like when it gets thousands of interactions, mm. it's just exhausting. You just have to stop it because otherwise it just ends up occupying your mind space for more than a day. And you're like... It's just not, it's not worth it. And you're like, oh, I've got great numbers, but also I got a, a great impact on my mental well-being. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. We saw there was a tweet that it was a bit concerning. Someone said races that evolved in a climate with cold winters evolved higher intelligence. And I, I don't normally take Twitter all that seriously, but I, I do remember reading that feeling really quite upset that there could be anyone out there that could eat. And I, I didn't block them, actually. I, I haven't blocked them because part of me is still curious as to what happens next. But it looks like nothing really happened next. They've just the, the, tweeted some, and disappeared. Yeah. No, someone someone said he's lost his job. Oh, really? oh, okay. Allegedly. Yeah, I don't even know what his job is. But, I'll yeah. do a finger tip for that. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at that guy's website. He is an asshole. He yeah, is like was... a he is a real bona fide, straight up qualified asshole. Yeah. It was an odd way it was an odd website. It looked like something from what you said GeoCities, I guess. Geocities, it, it was yeah. a terrible <laughs> website, terrible takes. And the thing is he was doubling down on it, like as more and more people started yeah. noticing it, he was like, Yeah, I'm telling you, you're you lot are stupid. The people of colour are stupid. That's what he was saying. And I'm like yeah. What could you be possibly doing with your life and your job that you could feel like that? Yeah. You, you, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like an aggressive white supremacist misogynist. Because his website also had things on dating and why women are all f- fucking stupid. And it's only the ones who choose to spend time with you. Yeah, yeah clearly, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> yeah, we've also had the same thing turn up again. Like, I think we spoke last week about how females are look different, look treated differently in the workplace. But we've had that kind of tweets coming up again, haven't we? Have you guys seen that? Oh, it's a constant theme. It's a constant theme, isn't it? It's, it's the carousel you know, kind of, of life. Being our female representative, Nadia, I like mean, you know, the way I got riled up about being said I've got low IQ because of where I'm from and my colour, surely that seeing that so often must be a little bit, yeah, it must grate at you, can't it? After a while, just to have these constant barrages of more stories of female being treated differently because they're female, getting told they can't have families, doing surgery. You've seen all this stuff. It's just bizarre oh, yeah. where it comes from. Yeah, it, it literally never ends. And it's, I, I don't know if you just get, I'm sure you have a sort of base level immunity mm. and things have to puncture through that to start mm, yeah. even be noticed by you more than that just like low level, oh God, great, this again. Like things have to either be reach some kind of a crescendo or just be especially abhorrent to get through. And that's a bit depressing in itself, isn't it? That you just mm. get by on this like, well, of course I expect this level of unpleasantness. Treatment, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, harsh reality, yeah. Isn't it? just to reel off a few of the examples, Asenka tweeted, didn't she, about a paper again where they didn't didn't tag the female first author, and then the trauma surgeon being asked about whether she'd have children or not. These kind of things, though, I guess the things that are around to try and challenge this kind of culture centre around being very positive. Like women in surgery, I've seen those kind of women in cardiology, I've seen those movements, but not really many of them centre on re-educating men, which is where the problem is, isn't it? Yeah, mm. a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's also putting all of the work on women. It's, come on, you've got to power through, you've got to be a pioneer, you've got to show that people can do it. And it's like, why? I don't want to. Which is one of the reasons that I wanted to not do comedy so much. Although I think it's a lot better than when I started in comedy. It was just this idea of, oh, you you have to push through and be the person who's the only woman on a bill. Mm. And I just found the pressure of that overwhelming because Mm. if I was shit on one night, that whole audience would leave thinking women are shit because I'd be the only woman on a bill. Oh, yeah. What responsibility? Mm. Yeah. And I was like, I can't be that. So I, mm. I started refusing to go on panel shows if I was going to be the only woman. Because mm. I was like, if I'm going to be shit, I want to be shit on my own. Please just let me be my own flavour of shit. Like, I don't, yes. want, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't want it to just be women. I just yeah. want to be me. And I think that is, yeah, that I see that in a lot of medicine and particularly in surgery and 
where it is this, it's a toxic masculinity culture and it's oh you have to sort of power through it you have to be the strong girl power woman to show that you can also be that instead of like why can't we just change the culture so it's not so gross you've had what made you so you were doing comedy for how long in the end you I mean oh, about 15 years so 15 years you did comedy and then, so did you always want to be a doctor? Was there always something in the back of your head that one day I want to do medicine? Or no, did it just suddenly one day... It never occurred did, to me. Yeah. <laughs> really? Even now, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> 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 no, I started thinking about it in my late 20s. And it would be because of being self-employed, being freelancer, I'd have periods of where I wasn't getting a lot of work and I'd think, oh, I want to do something that's better, more reliable, and also more objectively good. Because being mm. in the arts, being in a subjective world is really, can be really demoralizing, can be really difficult to keep yourself motivated because you can have like hundreds of people tell you that you're good, but then lots of people also tell you you're bad to the point where they send you death threats or not like death threats, telling you to kill yourself because they don't like your jokes. Mm. And that was really affecting my self-esteem because you're like, wow, it's so bad that people have sought me out as a stranger on the internet to tell me that mm. they don't like something that they've seen on the internet of me. So it never happened people... a lot? It was happening. It was a contributing factor to why I wanted to not be doing comedy very publicly. That's so awful. Yeah, yes, it is, it's horrible, but uh, I do get way less of that now, which is nice. What was the question? How you and how I got into medicine. Yeah, mm. so I think that was a contributing factor, and then I'd have these periods, and I'd think, oh, I could do something. And I thought about, I think medicine appeals to me in lots of ways. Of I still get to feel special. Mm. Um, I get to solve problems, and I get to make people laugh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which sure. I don't think a lot of people would think about medicine as being mm. uh, an opportunity for that. But I think for me, it is yeah, like you're one to one with people and putting them at ease. A lot of that is, I, I enjoy that. Yeah. And, and then I thought the world was going to end with the climate change and the rise of right wing populism. And I mm. thought when it all kicks off, I want to be useful <laughs> come the yeah, apocalypse. Yeah. We can all write witty tweets about catastrophes happening around yeah. us but yeah. it would be good if you can actually get down and and make some sort of tangible difference so that's when i i actually applied for med school when i was living in los angeles um mm. as a sort of actor writer comedian and now that i finished med school i'm extremely glad that i did but throughout the four years of med school i was very miserable and hated it but now working as a doctor as an f1 and i really mm. love it yeah, I mean, look, the shackles of being under the, the glare of med school and all those kind of exams during med school, that's gone now, isn't it? So you now get to carve out your own your own career, depending on whatever that may be. I definitely had a tough time at uni, mainly because my exam performance wasn't entirely great. But then when you, your exam performance isn't entirely great, you feel like the, the crosshairs are on you. They're going to be on your case about anything and everything. And yeah, qualifying was nice. Uh, it's getting out of that, getting out of that thing. But unfortunately for me, radiology, I can't radiology and end up in the same situation, which is a, a story for for another day so like, it's a it's a really like, amazing thing that you with, with Rusha and I we were very young when we went into med school and I don't know through we've talked about something we were like I don't know if we really knew the implications of what it, what we were doing and why we were doing it and every time we have like a work experience student with me I always ask them like why are you doing it and they always give me the generic answers about saving the world and all this stuff and I've got to try and really get to the nitty-gritty like look what, what did you what is it you think you're going to get what, what are you going to where are you going to be in 10 years time 
Because if, if you're thinking of status of money, then you might need to get rid of those things because you do get some of it, but not exactly the way it used to yeah. be back in the day. But it brings me on to a tweet that we saw where someone was talking about a medical student that was in a teaching session and they were taking, they were updating their Instagram, no, TikTok feed because they've got a bit of a TikTok following. And so the conversation almost went down the idea of, okay, we've got a certain sect of medical students who are trying to be something, what they call medfluencers, which is a new phrase I've recently heard about. I knew there were medical students and doctors doing the whole social media thing. But people are in med school to, to, make an influence how, how do you guys feel because it can be unpopular from what i can see on twitter people don't seem to like medfluencers all that much yes <laughs> <laughs> do you have any strong opinions about any particular <laughs> three two one go <laughs> go <laughs> and I just am very conscious of my own bias on this subject because I was at medical school with someone who is like a medfluencer who I just thought was an absolutely appalling student and would make a, a similar doctor. So I, I find the whole idea of it. I struggle to believe that there's anybody out there who's actually like a good practitioner who also does all of that stuff. Mm. Yeah. There probably is, but... In my experience, I'm, just, I'm wizened by this person and my experience <laughs> of them that I think I would need a sort of like Ebenezer Scrooge, three yeah. three ghosts of medfluence past and present and future. <laughs> oh my God. To, Who to, to get me through it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Who could, Who could that be? Characters? So like, Phil, Phil Lee would have to be one of them because mm. he's just, and then I feel like Mikey Alcock would have to be one of them. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, the whole, I feel like if I had to guess what you'd think about this, Imran, I feel like you'd be like, this is if they're gonna they're gonna try and make a name for themselves, and if that's the game they're gonna play, then why not? If they're playing, okay, right? all right, all right. If I, I was to thought, guess what you're gonna say, yes. okay, okay. I have actually thought long and hard and about this oh over, the, wow. over the last couple of nights about what on earth do I really think about all this? And since you've asked me, Thrusha, and since it's our own <laughs> podcast, I feel obliged to give my opinion, which I might cut out if I listen back to it and think this is gonna get me cancelled. Is this gonna so, be? A like, Sponsored opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is this a yeah, hashtag ad? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Listen. Look. I'm, I was thinking about this, right? And as so, Thrusha, I've been very nerdy and very sad recently, and I've gone and listened to our very first episode together of the podcast. And I think Aww. one of the first things we spoke about, and I was just like reminiscing, like that feels like a long time ago. I'm going to listen to that. And one of the first things we talked about were how there's different kinds of medics that exist. Some medics come into medicine because they want to help people. Nadia, good for you. Some medics come into it because they don't really know what they're doing. Me, they just waltz into it and it happens. Uh, and then some medics come into things because they want to be status and money and some people want to try and uh, become the biggest biggest thing well-known thing on the planet and I've worked with certain professors who, who that's what drives them right but then you meet medics who go into medicine and they go leave and they go into the city or they go start a business and actually when you look at things those are fairly acceptable things we've seen that happen again and again like each one of those little segments of medic exists and we've learned to accept that not all medics are there to help people all the time. And some people aren't there to help people at all. They've got their own agendas. So as I was thinking about this, I thought to myself, social media is such a beast that it's almost become its own career path on its own. Like it, there, there are legitimate people out there that will only make money being a social media person and being an influencer. It's a, very, a completely legitimate job. 
So for someone to, if I'm going to accept that someone's going to go get a degree and maybe start talking about donuts and start their own Patreon, regardless of what their degree was about, being a doctor. And if I'm going to accept someone who's a doctor who then goes and leaves and goes and starts a business and does all right, or and I've got friends who were doctors who now work in big banks, then I probably should accept that social media and being an influencer in social media is a legitimate job nowadays. And therefore you will have people who are coming in to use that DR to their advantage and in social media and in and society, as much as we like to think being a doctor doesn't matter, it still does. You say you're a doctor and there'll be someone who'll click that IG thing. They'll click on that tweet because it says doctor. They'll have a look at that YouTube channel because it says medic or doctor. Because there there's like a, a long, long lived interest in it. So that's my take on it. So now I'm thinking to myself, I don't really have too much of an issue uh, with it. It's just, a, it's just another career now. That's what exists. What do you guys think? That, that could be my bad take on it. And fair no, enough. Like just, yeah. You know, I guess you're saying to each their own. I think there's a few themes there, aren't there? Like uh, as Nadia's alluded to, which is the like, how much of like their Twitter persona or Twitter or social media persona reflects them in real life. And mm. it seems like one of those things like do as I say, not as I do. A kind of if it just seems funny that you'll have these people who perhaps didn't really bother that much in medical school, but yeah. they were just working on cultivating that thing. Mm. So there's that. And I guess there's also the whole idea of what we represent as a profession and professionalism. There's that whole thing, which I think is probably a little bit more wishy-washy because I think that's but probably because people would argue that's a problem that there might be with all of us having social media accounts and mm. what kind of image we curate of the profession. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think there's a point where I don't really mind if you're trying to sell something and that's and you're business minded about it or whatever. You want to be a medfluencer for whatever career reasons. Of it. But it's just if that is impacting on your ability to be a good clinician, mm. then I don't like it (laughs) (laughs) and you you'll get people that i mentioned this in a previous episode we had this guy and he was giving ensures to people who are sick and he clearly only wanted to do ophthalmology that was all he cared about so whatever he couldn't care about less about the on calls turn up not turn up do a good job not do a good job he was probably sitting there writing papers putting them into conferences and he walked into that ophthalmology job a very coveted job regardless how good of a doctor he really was because he had that focus of i don't care i I know what i want to do i don't want to do any of this stuff i don't actually want to be good i just want to get into my training scheme yeah and so it's i know what you're saying if they're going to be like that then you know I guess you don't have to be good. They know they don't have to be good doctors to get to where they want to. They're yeah, just but I guess that's game. depressing because it, that is what kind of what they're selling, though, is the idea that they are. Because it's we're not talking about mm. people who are just selling things and also are a doctor. It's people who are selling. It's often lifestyle medicine, isn't it? Mm. And that's the thing they're selling based on their knowledge and expertise. So it's not that they they're oh I'm just I've got this range of candles that I've been making at home (laughs) it's oh I believe that a detox diet with this hashtag tea hashtag ad would be great for you and really focus your mind hashtag well-being it's all it all just seems like a big con using the profession as a way of legitimizing it like I haven't really seen a lot of stuff there are some people who I think are really great at doing that kind of stuff there's a nutritionist called um, Pixie Nutrition I think she is on Instagram I think she's great and she is Mm. basically an influencer but all of the stuff that she does is mostly busting myths about a lot Mm, of that influence world influence nice yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I'm very. Uh, me speak well, nice. I, I enjoy. Uh, it. Me, <laughs> me have English degree actually. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. Oh, there's also as you kind of like say, like um, perhaps also it feels like there are so many kind of people who want to get into medicine and can't, and mm. the, the amount of really just like heartfelt people who really want to get into the profession and you wonder mm. oh they didn't get a place and this joke is perhaps doing it i don't know i don't know but i guess that's probably uh, also a bit snobby yeah i mean but that my point i mean things change as well isn't it so many of us so i know people that went in or hell bent they want to be a doc and then and halfway through they're like nah mate i'm not doing yeah, this yeah, anymore yeah. And they go work in the city mm. so i mean it's not always what it, you think it's going to be yeah i do think graduate medicine is really good for yes, that I reason so. and i was on a course that had we had our graduates, graduate medics, and then we joined with the undergraduates. And so many of the undergraduates were just their parents were doctors. And I feel like they've just slipped into it as a career. And they all seemed like tiny babies to me. I was much older than them. <laughs> but they seemed so young. And they, I think when we joined together, I think they were all like 21. And the idea of embarking on a lifelong career at that point, mm. or even... You've already done three years to get to that point. Yeah. Because okay. it's crazy because they're all like, oh my God, you've been here, you've lived there, you've done this. And, and it's like, yeah, you've joined a rugby club. <laughs> like, <Yeah. that's>, you, <laughs> you know, they, they've just had absolutely no life experience. And to, yeah. to understand that you want to go into this career that is a very big undertaking and it's big commitment. And it can mm. lead to loads of other stuff. Like you don't obviously have to work just in acute medicine from getting a medical degree. You can do so much, but a lot of them I don't think about that. They think about it as this is the career that I ha have to go down. And you start thinking about it when you're mm. 15, 16 years old. And that, that to me is crazy. So I think a, a graduate system is quite good for at least That's shaking true. out a lot of people who would have been bored of it by the time that they're 21. Yeah. Mm. realize that they're sick actually the the colored prescription uh lara who came on our show i listened to her most recent podcast and she was talking about student finance and at first it's oh god here we go listen to finance but actually a point she makes which i never thought about until i listened to that podcast is when they get the student finances and all the loans they're like 22 23 years old and then one of the questions are what do your parents do they're asking about the assets of the parents but you're 22 23 years old you know you're not still dependent on your parents but actually even at that age, a lot of people, a lot of med students aren't, you know, quite adult enough. You know what yeah. I mean? Like quotation marks. Like you, And I, I do remember filling out forms like that. And it never crossed my mind because I, clearly I was quite a bit of a man child even then. And yeah, I didn't think anything of someone asking, like, am I actually allowed to get these particular bursaries because of what my parents earn? But by 20 something years old, that shouldn't have an effect on you. And you can see that there's, there is the assumption that being a medical student, you are quite young, right? Like mm. generally speaking, that's what they assume. But I do think there's so much merit in someone who comes in from something else and or has lived a bit of life before coming into this, because that must mean that you've you lived life, you've seen that you've done other things and then made the decision that you're willing to come into medicine, which is not an easy thing to do mm. and then do it as a job and as a career and as a career goes on, it is quite tough. But when you come in as a 16, 17 year old, God knows what I was thinking at the time. Thankfully, it worked out OK. I get to sit at home all day. But I don't know I, when I finished, when I actually became a doctor, I was like, what on earth am I doing here? I genuinely felt like this is mm. this was one big mistake. <laughs> what, what has gone wrong? I think that leads on quite nicely to there's a tweet by um, Ed Abrahamson who's saying at 20 to become a doctor was my sole goal and at 30 it was to become an NHS consultant 
Um, and then 40, clinical director, blood, sweat, and tears. 50, the long crawl <laughs> to the pension. And then, <laughs> now 60, a year since I left, did I make a difference? that NHS doesn't notice a tiny speck of history. And there were some interesting takes on that. So how did you read that one, Nadia? When you read that, what, how did that come across to you? I thought it sounded ex- extremely egotistical. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a Just, tiny speck of history. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I don't know. I, maybe it's because I've, I've come from an, a, a career in an industry in which profile is such a big part of it really have any level of success without having a quite a few people know what you're doing and know of you right. in order to just get work mm. so the idea of this like you know, blood sweat and tears to get this recognition and it's like, oh no why? that's from the patients you're <laughs> <laughs> sending them off to the lab yeah. <laughs> oh, God. this is such a nerdy joke but go on carry on okay. <laughs> Sorry. yeah just think it's like why did you if that was the reason that you were doing it all from the start you mm. were never going to be satisfied you, this career was never going to fulfill you because you were yeah, always too. looking for something that somebody else was going to give you and not just somebody else an organisation yeah, true. the biggest organization in the UK. Mm. Like you're asking for so much there, and it's just, if that's why you were doing it, that's a shit reason for doing it. Like yeah, true. <laughs> you've got your day to day needs to be worthwhile, and if yeah. if it's because you're holding on to this idea that you're gonna your name is gonna be on top of a hospital library somewhere, yeah, like you can enough. just pay for that. Just give them some funding, and they'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's so true. I did link that tweet because I did think that the, the responses to it are quite cute. Like people were saying stuff along on the on the human level, they were like, "Oh, you did help. Like you taught me this and that." And so mm. I think there's a isn't there like that line? If you change one person's life, then you change their world or something. <laughs> I've ruined that line, but something along mm. those lines anyway. And it seemed yeah. cute. But um, yeah, this is this is a very nerdy little religious thing. But there's a line in the Quran which is, "If you say to save one person's life is to save all of humanity," and, and I'm not a particularly religious person, but I really love that that notion, that concept, and I think mm. it's a really lovely one to keep with you when mm. you are practicing medicine, when you're doing anything really. It's yeah, a human being can be this representative of of all of humanity. So the way that you are and how you are with them that's how you feel about it isn't it it's like you get your validation from what you believe is the right thing to do so if you're expecting it from somebody else then you're setting yourself up for a fall already when i read it i was like what did you really expect the world doesn't stop we've said it before if you decide not to come in to work they'll they'll find someone else to replace you you retire they're going to get someone else to come in maybe they'll say oh that you know remember that guy or remember that girl whatever but you're not going to have that kind of impact life is not like that especially in medicine it moves quicker than you think Mm. and one would hope that was not all they were expecting from doing that but it looks like a very illustrious career and they weren't. I hope they weren't expecting a ticker tape parade and and that yeah. kind of thing on the way out. Um, Mostly, I just want people to remember me as being really funny and really sexy. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we could all dream of that. I mean, that my gravestone. <laughs> Not in that order, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some people 
crying at my funeral going, she was so fair. (laughs) (laughs) I hope hope her estate releases her nudes. I'm sure there's a WhatsApp group for that, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Speaking of ticker tape parades as you're leaving, maybe as you're going in, there was someone that saw a lesson ticker tape parade as they walked in. There was a Nazi sign on the front of the NHS workplace. (laughs) And yeah, so they're coming to work and someone had spray painted some graffiti onto their workplace. And I know graffiti is a way to express yourself, but some expressions are probably not warranted. Just like Twitter, sometimes you just need to keep that to yourself. Does anyone describe what that graffiti showed? And what one particular upset you about this one? Well, there, there are a number of things on there. So there's like a swastika and a CV-19. Okay, cool. But, but I think the most upsetting thing was the misspelled liars. They spelled it L-I- <laughs> L-I-E-R-S. And just obviously there's some horrible stuff on there, but the eyes just get drawn to that bit. And then it just gives you an insight, though, doesn't it? It just gives you a bit of a, a bit of a flavour of what kind of person you're dealing with there. And it, it changes, I don't know, it changes the way I looked at it from the feeling of, oh, that's really out of order. They've, like, defaced that sign. So those people are just not even worth thinking about for any more than a split second because I can't spell <laughs> liar. What the hell? <laughs> Jesus. Did, did the yeah. spelling bother you much, Nadia? Was that a well, problem for you? The problem with that sort of thing is that, because I think it happens all the time, of like when someone's being really heinous, in, yeah. often on Twitter, on the internet, whatever, and someone's saying something awful. The red um, guns. Yeah, you're mm. you're wrong. All immigrants should be killed, and you're like, you use the wrong yawn. We're not really <laughs> focusing on the part that's bad there. Like, <laughs> yeah. some people are dyslexic and they're not Nazis, so like, yeah. <laughs> it's and it's a bit of a distraction, I think, to because mm. because ultimately what that shows is that we can have a little snicker at it, but that shows that there's someone who feels brazen enough to put what is essentially a hate symbol on a public hospital sign. And that, to me, is a bit grim. Yeah, yeah, totally. The thing is, though, how surprised do you feel by seeing that stuff now? I just don't even feel surprised anymore. Do you feel surprised? I think I'm... Yeah, you're right, maybe I'm not surprised. That's really depressing, though, isn't it? It's depressing. Do you know what I'm thinking? If I get like really like remain and you know that Brexit stuff. Like as soon as like Brexit <laughs> happened, just when I when that all happened, I was like, this is it. Brown folk, bad times. It just, <laughs> just stuff is just so predictable. My dad used to tell me as we were growing old, as we were growing up, he's like, okay, one day around we might need to go back to Bangladesh. And I never really, I never took it seriously, but I do remember thinking when Brexit happened, I was like. What if That's Dad it. is right? I don't <laughs> want to go back to. Oh I, I was expecting that phone call. That oh dear. Um, oh jeez, I wouldn't want to go back to Iraq. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Not great vibes there right now, guys. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talking about, I'm just going to bring something up. Basically, I remember when 9/11 happened all those years ago. There was a whole anti-Muslim thing that suddenly happened, and my dad used to run a restaurant. I was through, you remember my dad's restaurant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came, awesome. made, came a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. it was a nice little takeaway. Yeah. And then he started getting a lot of abuse. Like all of a sudden, after that, people tend to go home, calling him all sorts of things. And someone even defecated into an envelope and put it through the letterbox. And it was just a bit like, wow, man, when you feel that empowered that you've got to defecate yeah. into an envelope and put it through. Okay, first of all, I mean, we could go, you know, like you said with the grammar thing, there's clearly something wrong with someone who's going to get poo and put it into an envelope and then put it. But if we step away from the, the, the hygiene and did you wash your hands, etc. Yeah. But and like, um, was there like a... <laughs> 
Well, so you know I've been in pediatrics, so I'm really keen on what was the texture. Yeah, exactly. Like, did <laughs> Where it was it on the Bristol stool scale? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true. You do wonder. Maybe that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't double up on envelopes in case it's see through. <laughs> How do you seal them? <laughs> Was it in a jiffy bag? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're making light of a terrible situation. <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. It's awful. What else could you do? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm joking. But but it just shows you like how emboldened people can be in certain environments. Yeah. So in that environment, it suddenly became, you know, acceptable in that person's mind that they were going to do something like that. Yeah. And so whoever this is, it became acceptable to go to a place where people who are sick, go get better, to draw a swastika, miss, do some spelling mistakes, and write CV19 or something, whatever all that means. It's the crazy world we're living in. And giving voice to those kind of, I don't know, is it extremists or those kind of views? You do wonder, like, this person's obviously trying to get their views across. And unfortunately, they don't have Twitter. They've got a spray can and, and, a, and, a, and a sign to, to put their, twi- their, their tweets across. Essentially, that was a tweet, wasn't it? Tagging that hospital into it as well. But, you know, we, <laughs> but we've seen GPs again getting an absolute battering, aren't they? Mm, as oh, it, and now it does seem, yeah, exactly. You don't sound very genuine about that, Nadia. You, <laughs> no, you, I so, am. Can you try that again? Yeah, just, it's exhausting, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Just, oh God. Oh, to me, GP stands for good person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. nice good. good people. It's good. I just That's think. Nice. Oh, I don't know. I've done GP rotations fairly recently du- during COVID, so I've I've seen what it's like, and it's they're not empty practices. They're fully busy, and they've also rolled out one of the most successful vaccination campaigns mm. in history. And they have been key to that. So they've been doing all of their extra work, as well as this vaccination programme, with all of the restrictions in place. And people are furious because they can't see their GP. And you're like, well... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw someone well, get really furious, didn't we, this week? Was it in Manchester? Did oh, you see that? Yeah. yeah, this was going to happen. I think even one of our guests talked about this. If you keep yeah. doing something like this, someone's going to get attacked. And lo and behold, yeah, I saw well, that. No, well, that's mm. what I'm saying. When this kind of rhetoric is given enough credence and it's given enough of an opportunity to be vo- voiced, mm. it does lead mm. to this kind of thing. Mm. And I think that is why that sign, even though they did spell it wrong, I think that is is unnerving because that suggests to me that there are people around who will who are like yeah. happy to go to those kinds of extremes mm. where they can be violence against property. Nah, I don't really care about it. But violence against people is the next step for a lot of those kind of things, yeah. I think. And I do think that is this is a, a culture, we're getting into this yeah. culture where it's a lot of people who are like, you can't say anything anymore, and then they reel off a load of racism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are we um, supposed to do about it? It's hard, isn't it? Because mm. if we counter it, then we're like, Piling on. <laughs> yeah. Piling on. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is to, except to be aggressively tolerant. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem, isn't it? I think with uh, kind of um, opposing those kind of views is that generally speaking, the people who do oppose those kind of like hateful stuff are kind of apathetic anyway. Certainly I feel that way or a bit like, yeah. oh, God, what can we do? And it's like a problem with, whereas those kind of like hateful people, for some reason, they're able to like somehow compromise and coalesce they can just agree with all the kind of hateful stuff they're like oh I'm not yeah. sure how actually you know what I'll go with that oh we'll make it harder to get abortions or whatever like they all seem to be like oh actually we'll do all that stuff because mm. they're really united whereas I feel like more liberal views tend to be a bit more what about this and what about that 
And so I always think, oh, what can we do really about it other than, I don't know. Yeah, there's a, clearly a, a, like a large swathe of society that does feel that they've, I think part of the problem is that it's two things, isn't it? Obviously, people in that position feel emboldened enough to go and do something, you know, do these sort of hate crimes. And they're hate crimes, aren't they? They yeah. are. And then the people who are victim of these hate crimes don't feel emboldened enough to be able to do anything about it. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Who are you going to report to? What's really going to happen? They're yeah. not going to change yeah. someone's view. And this always reminds me of what my dad always told me. Look, man, if you don't ever get into a fight, you'll always have more. You always have more to lose than the person you're about to fight. Mm. And so then that's what I always remember. So I've been in a situation where someone's being right, you know, at me about something, and I think I've got a wife, I've got kids, I've got a job. You know what? I'm not going to get into this. I'm not going to get into a fight. Uh, those things matter more to me than whatever altercation this is going to be mm. and I leave it and it's almost a shame but uh, there are times when I feel like I should have stood up and one of them was in an MDT and they there was a this MDT was full of some really big shots in this particular part of like the world with this particular part of the body that they were talking about and they were talking about this uh, lady who's wearing a burqa uh, no Muslim lady and obviously they didn't realize there was a Muslim guy sitting there and then they said she doesn't want to see anyone that's a man that's going to be an issue okay and they were trying to get this lady one of the lady surgeons to see this patient and she goes look why can't one of you guys just dress up as a burqa and pretend to be a woman and go in and, and see this patient and it was quiet and some of them had a few a bit of a nervous laughter and I never I never said a word I didn't say a word, I just kept quiet, let that meeting go on. Because I felt in that situation, especially as a, someone who's struggling with my exams and stuff that I, I was doing at the time, I didn't want to have another thing to talk about, another thing mm. to deal with. But you feel bad now, because I think, well, I did mention to my wife, I said, how could you not say anything? Yeah. I mean, your mum, your sister, you, you, all these people around you who, who you who were relatives could have been at the end of that joke and you didn't do anything. Yeah. But there's so many times that I've been sexually harassed or been around where there's been lots of inappropriate comments or remarks and you don't say anything because you're like worried that it's just going to draw more attention to you, make you a target. It's mm. going to somehow make you feel less like a part of the team. Mm. You're going to ostracize yourself even more. And as a woman in comedy, that was a very common Mm. sort of occurrence of being the only girl in the room and for quite a, I think early in my career I very much had a sort of like I'm one of the lads and would be really horrible <laughs> and mm. not I wouldn't ever call that kind of stuff out because I wanted to be accepted and I wanted yeah. people to think that I was cool and I was funny mm. and now I absolutely wouldn't tolerate it but I still now because I'm such a junior in the hospital I'm an F1 and if I've got a consultant who's making slightly misogynistic remarks, I won't probably say anything to them, yeah. but mm. I probably will raise it with other people who were there yeah. afterwards to be like, I didn't think that was okay. But I, I still don't feel confident at, the, at my level right now to address a consultant. Yeah. Because it's a yeah. really difficult yeah. dynamic, but I think the sort of there's been a big change. I think things like Me Too and BLM has created a sort of critical mass where a lot of these things it has given people the platform to be able to feel confident enough to bring up those things and feel like they might get more supported but it also needs to come with action from organizations as well to mm, show that they absolutely. will support people in those sort of circumstances it needs to be like yeah. senior led i think you're right i think in that those scenarios of you're both the, the victims and so so much of a burden is put onto the victim to have to speak up when yeah in actual fact they should 
obviously there needs to be a cop and those other people are the ones in the wrong whereas you end up mm. carrying that kind of burden afterwards oh i should have done this and i should have done yeah, that yeah. and you end and that's in a way the inverse of a privilege isn't it because you end up with that kind of negative energy when actually you shouldn't have been put in that situation in the first yeah. place um, yeah yeah mm. the emotional think- labor is expected of you Absolutely. the victim of whatever affront has happened yeah yeah, it's, yeah if, it hasn't happened very often but if you're in the room and someone makes a remark that you don't think is okay and, and you're like oh god i'm gonna have to deal with this and then somebody else deals with it and ideally a white man mm. and you just think oh thank thank god. you so yeah, much yeah, yeah. oh god that's a relief that i don't have to deal with that because also i know that people are going to take you seriously yeah. mm. and they're not going to be like oh it's just this girl who's very sensitive and that's it isn't it because you, and that's the coded thing in the background and that's yeah. another reason why Imran was alluding to as well if I do say something that will get used against me it'll be like weaponized and so then you're yeah. damned and so then you're stuck with that kind of thing either way like you do something and mm. then you get you know uh, characterized in one way or it's just um, so double bind yeah it? I remember you know when I, again going back to my, I feel like I'm giving more away about my training this week but I remember I, I think I mentioned in previous, previous that I did actually flag the place that I worked for bullying a few times actually because I was getting bullied it, it was going on for about a year two years where I, I was finding it very difficult and dealing with this uh, particular person and actually a few of them and um, I remember like a few times nothing happened even though I'd flagged them and I don't know what happened in the background but nothing seemed to be happening on the ground so I was feeling losing a little bit of hope what was a point in like flagging something big when nothing big happens from it and then I, I, it turned out that something did happen, but it was like, oh, we've been flagged for bullying. It's so ridiculous. And every single consultant felt like this was a complete ridiculous thing to happen. And I was sitting there thinking, do you really believe that it's not possible that one, and even the, even one of the bullies was like, I can't believe that we've been flagged for bullying. And I'm like, but you, you're one of them. Like, where, you're so blind to your own, your own demeanor with juniors and stuff that you don't even realize that, you know, my complaint was partly against you and the way that you've been treating me and with this kind of thing I started losing heart with trying to flag things and really trying to make a difference when these kind of things happen to me and I think that's the real shame that uh, and with with these kind of people I feel like it'd be difficult for them to see what they've done wrong like for that joke about the the hijab when you get wear a burqa they'll be like well I was joking what's the problem I was just messing around relax take it easy and so then I'll have to take it easy I'm taking it too seriously when it's actually a serious thing we shouldn't have done yeah and trying to move on a little bit it's a tough subject to move on from but we we also had a a tweet from Phil about maybe medical students taking things a little bit too seriously between each other they try and sabotage each other have you seen that have you seen that kind of behavior in your own experience Oh, so just to make the treatment we've been told that we've not been very good at doing mm. that. So someone I knew left lights on all night in halls before exams. The idea of this cracks me up, though. So that others <laughs> think that they're working, try and keep up and arrive exhausted. So meanwhile, they're sleeping with one of those airline eye masks on for eight hours. Now, it reminds me of Home Alone. Like the bit where he's got his, like, he gets those uh, models and, like, he's got the yeah. lights on and he's kind of moving them around. And it just reminds me of that, like, just these, but these kind of people, like, turning pages in a book, like, making them it's that psychological advantage that they're looking yeah. for isn't it that's all conor mcgregor i'm gonna psych you out prior yeah. to the fight that's what i'm gonna do yeah people are competitive now there wasn't was nottingham a competitive place did you notice that i don't know really i was like always on the outskirts because i was like the oldest woman in my cohort so on my Zimmer frame. Yeah, I always found that I did see a bit of that going on of people who were just like living in the library and they'd also post on their Instagram stories where they'd be like at the library at midnight. And Mm. that was never my style of study. So it never bothered me, but then I was never really 
involved in any of, of any socialising at university. <laughs> oh God, I just sound like such a miserable little recluse. <laughs> I did have some friends. Good, good. <laughs> but yeah, I think the whole idea that you have to be studying 46 hours a day as a medical student is toxic and unhelpful. It's balmy. It's It's just also, it's not true. Mm. I studied like very little, (laughs) honestly, (laughs) minimally, and still did quite well. And I am obviously very smart, but I think (laughs) mostly it's just because you figure out a way that works. Like just being in the library forever is, uh, oh God, if you're doing it to be social, fine but yeah, if yeah. you're doing it because it's oh this idea that I, I work work I'm studying like I've seen now actually I've seen F1s who are like from my cohort who are posting about the fact they're studying for like the MRCS now and you're like what no oh, God. <laughs> don't yeah, you're like not yeah. even through your yeah. first rotation of F1 mm. have a rest God. Yeah. they're probably in a rush to get to where they want to get to isn't it I didn't go to library at all I think actually in fact I think our entire elective got organized in the library because I suddenly decided to start turning up to the library because someone told me people turn up to the library to study and I went on and I was like whoa is this where everyone's been for the last four years that's nuts man what is going on and then but the thing for me I was like okay this is great this is great like, we, we can all sit we can all study together I'm actually passing an exam this is awesome yeah this is going to work I'm going to learn by osmosis from everyone else and then what ended up happening was I'd walk in and be like a mate of mine and be like yeah Imran you want to grab coffee like I'll grab that coffee mm-hmm. I'm up for that coffee we'll go have a coffee for about an hour because you know take a bit longer and you come back and then someone else will be like Imran you want to grab a coffee I haven't seen you in ages <laughs> yeah. yes and then literally the entire day like four hours five hours gone and I'd be like yeah okay good a full day of coffee he's been done some studying and I didn't realize I didn't do any studying I was uh, just uh, socializing the whole time but yeah, medics are like that. And in fact, I was on YouTube recently and looking at some of these, because med- I think on the run up to this, I was um, looking at medfluencers. And there are med- a few medical YouTube channels that actually film themselves studying for, for hours. No way. Live. Wow. Yeah, as in not live, but as in they've filmed it already. And so what you're meant to be able to do is to study with the, uh, it's, uh, it's weird, but they've got thousands of views. I'm not joking. I couldn't believe. Like I thought, isn't that watching the paint dry? Yeah. Watching someone else study. But there is actually a thing. There is a thing of people watching other people study for extended periods of time. Yeah, go check it out, man. Like study, I think they're called study with me videos and you're meant to sit there and put the video on and study at the same time and rate. as someone, isn't nonsense. it? Yeah. I tell yeah. you what, if there are any people listening who are med students or wannabe med students or just people who don't have a very good study vibe, just read the book, make it stick and do the stuff that's in that. Mm. You don't have to study for hours and hours, just make loads of quizzes, that's it. Just yeah. do quizzes, do past tests, that's it, you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and exactly. practice, and practice your Oscars, practice talking to people, practice taking yeah. histories. Yeah, and even if you don't, if even if you don't pass, there's normally a way to get through. I'm not yeah. saying how the, those are, but I'm just saying that there may be allegedly <laughs> ways to get through without having to pass that many exams. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, um, we spent a lot of that time. Yeah. I remember having a conversation with you, Imran, about how, what kind of excited us most when we were at uni. And one of the things that was amazing was the internet access. I remember we were just like <laughs> downloading. We watched so many movies. Oh, I so know, man. Oh, yeah. This is the days before broadband was a thing. Yeah, so That's how old we are. Yeah, yeah, Facebook yes. turned up when we were like in like third or fourth yeah, year. Like yeah, Facebook yeah, totally. was not a thing. Yeah. So many... Oh, my God. Yeah, I got really yeah, good yeah. at Provo. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Provo, which is like FIFA. I think people play FIFA these days, yeah, don't they? they? From what yeah. I understand. My obs and gyne revision was just watching bodies. No, just... I have not watched that. Yeah. I have oh, still very not good watched that. Very good obs and gyne revision. 
really? basically okay, every well, pathology. <laughs> yeah, Plus, lots of practices where you go, fucking hell, I hope that isn't how it is now. Yeah, I hope so. Moving on from how much you expect to know as a medical student, all that studying and all that stuff. There was another tweet that came out about someone who's in a trauma meeting, the night SHO, and they've been told that being the night SHO, they need to log into the imaging systems, which they don't have access to, and they're not familiar with navigating it, and they're apparently meant to just know, turning up to this meeting, how to just do things. They're just like, have you been in that situation where you're sitting there, and someone says, Therusha, do you mind um, just logging into the system, putting up the bloods, putting up the, the imaging, and discussing? You'd be like, I don't know what any of that stuff yeah, is. Yeah, totally. There's a recurrent theme throughout medicine. First, it's, oh, do you have the list? Or where's the list? And you have to keep that up to date. And I remember even that seemed like a bit of a weird thing to do as like a junior doctor. And then even as a, mm. in a, as a first year reg, like uh, presenting the angiograms at a meeting and not really knowing what I was presenting and just like clicking through the images. They'd be like, no, no, go back. No, forward. Let's pause that there. <laughs> go back a bit. And, like, oh. and then they'd come over and be like, oh. And then they'd move the mouse up and down. And you're like, well, I don't know. And stuff. So it just seems to be like a recurrent theme of just going there and just like making it up and then made to feel like an absolute idiot all the time. For not knowing yet. Have you been like that? Have you been in a situation like that yet as an F1? I think I'm very happy to go into a situation and say, I don't know. Sorry, I'm really stupid. I've never been here before and I don't know anything. I'm a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually a comedian. Like I did, I, well, I did a bit of moonlighting for vascular surgery because they didn't have any F1s, and I was like, "Do you know what? We've got we're really on top of things in peds. They don't need me for a minute, so I'll come over." Oh, and so I just was going around doing the jobs list for the F1 that they we've got together, and I just went mm. there and went, "I'm the F1 from pediatrics," <laughs> and instantly everyone's like, "Let me take you under my wing. You don't know anything." Uh, and nice. it's nice, people are nice to you if you're just like, please, uh, if you please help me. And I'm really, I think I've gotten very good at, um, very comfortable with asking for help. So I don't sure. mind too much. And especially people who are pharmacists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <fair enough. laughs> yeah, the pharmacists do save your, save your backside a few oh times. God, I love them. I, yeah. Ward pharmacists forever. It's all fun and games until you have to do the surgical M&M as an F1. And then it's really no fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? Like? I don't think I did that. Because you're just presenting all you're presenting all the mortalities, yeah, and then it's all the surgical consultants are there, and inevitably there's some beef about who the patient belonged to and whatever, and you present you're presenting like some I don't know someone had a ruin why and ruin you or wherever the letters are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Sounds yeah, I've yeah. been there. It's beautiful. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, actually, a lot of the time when people come in and ask for a scan, they all like come in and be like, okay, so we did this ruin Y, then we did this thing, we had a stoma, then we reversed it. I'm just not listening to it. And then they say, we're looking for a collection. And you think, yeah. collection? Yes, yeah. got you. Got you. Got got you. Yeah, 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 okay, let's do that. Don't worry about it. It's, it's crazy what some of these guys, I mean, they, it's really funny. They actually expect me to actually know what they're talking about, which is, <laughs> it's rare. It's rare, to be honest with you. <laughs> and a lot of time when I'm reporting those ones, I go, I look at the, what earth have they done to the abdomen? Okay, yeah, it looks like, so I just write something like a previous surgery scene. No, no collection found sorted yeah, done. that's yeah. my tweet I yeah. guess it's like asking it's your tweet you're tweeting all your results <laughs> <laughs> I, I try and make my reports like Twitter I, I think Twitter's having a positive effect on my on my radiology work do them as memes yeah, <laughs> oh that wouldn't wouldn't that be awesome that would be awesome that would be awesome should I try and meme a report one these days that'd be oh, awesome oh god boys love memes <laughs> don't they yeah. well, how could you not love memes I don't mind Genuinely. a meme, but I do think that boys are obsessed with memes. They're meaning like, your life. Do you know what? I don't mind it because I do think it's a stepping stone on the way to men being able to express themselves emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's like a gateway drug <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and uh, now you're gonna deal with real emotions <laughs> yeah. but for now you have to just look at the rock pulling a face yeah <laughs> yeah man what's cooking <laughs> it's emotional involvement yeah exactly i don't know man like when you, when you got a good meme and it goes well you feel good about you know yeah, i think I, if i saw through i say look through you know what your arms are looking good today but yeah man thank you i feel good about that but if someone says to you you're good you're, your meme game's strong man i'll be like yeah that's on that level resonates. that's on that level yeah it resonates you, you hit me right there that means a lot to me i'm gonna frame that yeah no okay so clearly that's <laughs> making memes that is a menial task for some oh you see that but yeah menial tasks uh, do, they, do these task. exist <laughs> menial task. that's how i used to think when i used to see me- me- memes i used to think mimi that's what i'd hear in my head there was like i a- feel like we've met our match today man like meme your task that is good that is good all right well done <laughs> Okay, so we had a tweet from a young doctor who yeah. who was saying that there are some tasks that have been asked to do that are just beneath him. That that was the essence of the tweet. Apparently, they tweeted it at the early hours in the morning and immediately went back on it and said, look, I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, it, it got a bit heat. And we were like, it's only Monday, mate. Yeah. We've got the rest of the week to keep building up this thing. And you've basically taken over the entire podcast by putting something like that out. Like, what? <laughs> that's going to take the entire episode now, isn't it? Yeah, what did you guys make of that? Is there a task that is beneath you? I mean, I've done so many things. That are beneath you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you know what? I met Catelyn Moran, and I was dressed as a lobster. <laughs> Fair enough. Say no more. <laughs> Promoting a book at a book festival, because I was getting paid £100 a day. Like, the idea to me of menial tasks is... Oh, I, it doesn't compute to me, but that's because I've done a lot of shit jobs. <laughs> so the, <laughs> the idea of getting a bottle for a patient or in this case, it was like, what was he talking about? Me on the being like doing bloods or something, which like is literally a part of your job. Yeah. Mm. One of the things to say is that he's since deleted the tweet. But, uh, the yeah. but to, the, I think he was referring to back when COVID was particularly bad and where medical students were being used as HCAs. And his argument mm. was is that they were supposed to be preparing for exams and he felt like they were being monopolised, which mm. I think is probably still a bit un, still fairly unreasonable. But then also, mm. I think it was one of those everyone has to muck in type things, as well as the fact that there aren't menial tasks. And it was obviously like a mm. debate that we had then. I don't know why he decided that now who's going to bring that up again. But yeah, mm. I think it was taking on the role of a HCA, which adds another kind of dimension to that, doesn't it? Because it's actually they do. Yeah, I found this a lot, actually. When I was um, training, I used to, a lot of the other trainers used to complain a lot about we're doing too much service. Oh, there's too much service. I'm not getting enough training. But generally speaking, I found the service stuff quite easy. And I thought, this is quite cool, man. I'm getting paid to like do these really easy things. And even like something like they get me to these days to do a lot of the vetting. Now, vetting is just basically saying yes most of the yeah. time, unless it's completely balmy. Mm. And you're going to pay me to sit there and just go through a list yeah. of yeah. things and just say yes to it. That's great. I and mean, that's a consultant wage for sitting there clicking on a computer screen. That's amazing. Mm. But some people will think, no, that's beneath me. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm a consultant. I'm a reg. I'm a, I'm a junior. I shouldn't be doing these, uh, these certain jobs. Yeah. But I think people are looking at it the wrong way. You're employed, you're getting paid to do some really simple things. That's, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. I did some HCA work when I was doing COVID as a medical student. And I, mm. I did it because we were taken off placement. So we didn't have placement to go to. Uh, and yeah. actually mm. being able to see patients and be in a clinical environment and get used to a hospital system and get mm. paid to be there. Yeah. It's really valuable. Yeah, fair enough. And actually like that in itself, because like, being a doctor is 
infinitely better than being a medical student. And part of that is because you're being paid to be there. And as a medical student, you feel like you're a burden the whole time. Whereas this is, do you know what? I'm being paid to be here. So even if you want me here or not, somebody's paid me money to be here. And if what I can do is show somebody where x-ray is, I'll do that because it's fine. And without waiting for a porter to come and take them. If that's going to save 20 minutes and and it's like a three minute thing for me to do, Absolutely, mm. I've, got, I've got no problem basically doing. And if someone's like, "Would you make some toast?" I'd be like, "I don't know where it is, but I'll find out <laughs> and I'll do it because I'll figure it out." Because it's just—I don't know—it's just an attitude thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. You're, just, yeah, you're there to be so. part of a team, aren't you? So true. Be- there was a thread, wasn't there, from the from an anaesthetic colleague who was saying that I think he was poking fun at the juniors that pretend that they've asked their registrar, the surgical reg, to um, try a cannula for them before calling anaesthetics did you see that's one that yeah. tends to do its rounds mm. what do you what's mm. your take on that do you think you should call do you think you should call this your reg, surgical reg first and do you know what the and answer I is going to be i think the po- the point was valid i think of, it was basically don't lie to me please yeah. <laughs> don't mm. don't call me and say that you need me to do this because somebody's already looked at it when they haven't which is fair enough i'm yeah. very ready to ask for help so i think that might be more quite annoying but <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, that's the thing, like there there are some jobs that you expect everyone as a base level to be able to do, take a blood, put a cannula in and that kind of thing. And if you're just going to keep calling other people to do it, then you never really get to that point where you're going to get good enough. Uh, and I, th- I think I, but then at the same time, like I know that I get a lot of phone calls to look at chest x-ray and there was a time when people used to be like, everyone should be able to look at chest x-ray. Mm-hmm. And these days I'm not so sure. So I, I just look at it, whatever, you know, it takes, it takes a few minutes. But I can see where people are coming from with this one. I guess it's just the idea of being disingenuous. Is that, you yeah, know, for sure. Rather than the actual job itself. Yeah. Because if you, do you think it would have been okay if they said, look, I've tried and I find it really difficult. Do you mind coming in and help? Would that have been more acceptable? Yeah, definitely. Or is it just too quick up the chain? Yeah. yeah. Like, did you hear, I saw a Twitter like once someone was saying that they even put like, the little sticker with, with the uh, meepaw with a little bit of cotton wool to pretend like they tried. Next level deception. That's wow. like when you're wetting your toothbrushes as a kid to be like, I did brush my teeth. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. but, Feel the bristles, they're wet. <laughs> but what would the patient be thinking? Is that, oh, okay, is that procedure again? Is it where you just put the bit of cotton on my hand? <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's how prepared do we for these these blood tests, is it? Yeah, you just have to tell the patient, look, you trust me, you don't want me to be doing it. Some dude's going <laughs> to come with an ultrasound. It's going to be way better, trust me. Just get a yeah. wink, wink to the patient. But I yeah, wanted to make, so I don't want to call someone out directly, mm. but there was a reply that included the first name of the person who tweeted. And then it was, if your mum had no veins. And then the best thing was Mehul's <laughs> reply, which is, how has a funny observation turned into a, if this was your mother situation? <laughs> it just, yeah, cranked me up. So oh, I also, yeah. I always really hate that because I think at the core of that argument, whenever somebody says that, is misogyny. Because it's like mm. this idea, it's always this thing of, oh, now I've got daughters. I understand. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. what, you didn't give a shit about women before you'd created one? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's so true, actually. That is true. That yeah, is true. It's like, it's just, just imagine yeah, it's your yeah. mother. And it's like, yeah. why just imagine it's a human being? Yeah, exactly. I feel like they just want to say your mum and just put it in there somehow. Yeah, it's your mum. Yeah, there you go. That's the insult, isn't it? Imagine yeah. it's your mum and I'm shagging it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you take it seriously now? Do you feel bad? Take me seriously. 
That's all I wanted. Oh, okay, so there we are. So we're we're cancelled. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for that. Can't help. I can't help uh, but be silly. I wanted to ask no, you one question, because we're actually at time, aren't we? But yes. I wanted to ask yeah. you, though, I know we spoke about it briefly at the, the pre-meet, but are you, do you, th so with the, going forward, um, mm. do you think you incorporate the experiences for medical school in your stand-up? And how would you... Or um, medical life? Yeah, I don't really do a lot of stand-up anymore. Uh, but I think I might go back to it at some point. And it's, sort of, it's a bit of a weird vibe at the moment because of COVID and everything. Mm. There hasn't really been mm. any for two years but yeah definitely but I think I think you were talking about this on your last episode about you have to be quite conscious of your patients if you are talking about any experiences with patients that you have to make it vague enough or make it generic enough that no one can ever feel that they're yeah identifiable and or because mm. just because you don't want anybody to feel like you're making hay out of them their sun shining that doesn't make, make any sense making hay <laughs> okay <laughs> make, make hay while the sun shines is the phrase but i don't know if it's i don't think it applies in this sense i got an language. english degree english degree. <laughs> english degree there you go english degree here we go we're getting, we're getting schooled right now degree. Yeah, got a bachelor of arts <laughs> yeah thanks but there are i think there the experience of being a medic and being in healthcare and also being in healthcare during the pandemic has obviously been a particular one which I think people are interested in and there's yeah. probably ways to talk about it that will be illuminating or interesting mm. or I don't know whatever yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, whatever <laughs> nice I just I'm yeah. bore myself I know I'm sure it'd be awesome yeah, I'm sure it'll be good. I think I think it'll be really great. Yeah, we're at time, aren't we, yeah. through shirt? Sure. I decided to just look it up quickly. We are at five percent, so we're getting closer and close to my all-time record of Santa ranking at med school. So when we get oh, there, yeah. I'll let you know on our, our fundraiser, which is great. So yeah, if people can keep donating uh, to our fundraiser for Afghanistan, we're, we're doing okay-ish. But Nadia, honestly, I think we've been looking forward to having yeah, you yeah. for quite a while. What demographic does she, does Nadia fit for us? Well, she's uh, picked women because in... she ticked so many boxes. That was it. Like, oh, she. Yeah, yeah. So that was the so only reason. We've and then, just... <laughs> <laughs> and then okay yeah med twitter please don't yeah yeah, this no, week. No, yeah. No. yeah it's quite stressful it's quite stressful yeah, yeah. every week as previous guests will know i normally do tweet good luck everyone let's not get cancelled and this was a week <laughs> i thought yeah we're cancelled we're done anyway no thank you so much for yeah, listening it's been and thank you so much nadi for coming on and uh, giving us such a, a good laugh actually it's been really great listening thank to you thank you for and, having me three you know, balloons full of farts rubbing up against <laughs> each other oh we didn't even mention it <laughs> Oh yeah, we didn't, we didn't. Uh, okay. What, what do you need to know? That's it. I think yeah. that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah. Three 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 farts on a podcast. There you go. I hope you're listening. <laughs> All right, so Met Twitter, as always, thank you for being so entertaining. Keep up with your WhatsApp groups, whatever you're up to. Try and stay friends oh, and stay out of trouble. All right. Bye everyone. Bye. And you've been listening to Two Medics and One Mike with Imran Lasker and Thrusha Gwadna. Thank you for listening.